where we're going to begin uh, this 13 or 12 weeks of a series through the book of Galatians. Uh, and today we are just starting that series with an introduction to the book and what that means. And so I do want to say that if it, for any reason you do miss a Sunday, we know that happens, uh, sometimes two or three Sundays even, that you can catch up or, or gain uh, uh, what's going on in the series as we move towards it in, uh, on our podcast that is on iTunes now. And so that is the Village Fremantle Church and on iTunes. And so you can grab it there to keep up. But today, we're just going to do an introduction to this 12-week series about what the book of Galatians is to us. And so what we hope that during this series you'll discover and what you'll be taught and what you'll be released to do and what will be formed in you is God's grace and mercy and truth. That when we come to this book that we're not looking at it going, what are the eight things or the nine things that I need to make sure I get right? That we're not looking at it going, oh, it's always good to study a historical document and find out what's going on. But that in fact, that this is life to us and that it will provide life to us. That it will increase our life in Christ. But before we jump into kind of what the thrust of the book of Galatians is, and before we start kind of peeling away week by week, looking at different verses and chapters of what it is, we should have a little bit of context about what's going on and why the book was written. So most people believe, and I agree with them, that Paul is the author of this book. He says so. And matter of fact, at the end, he almost says, I've written this in my own hand. It's believed that it's written between sometimes between 40 and 50 A.D. And that it's to actual multiple churches. Now, a lot of the epistles are written to an individual or they're written to one specific church. But the book of Galatians is actually written to multiple churches in a particular region. Galatia is basically broken up into two areas. And most people agree that he is writing to the southern part of Galatia the churches that he formed and helped start there during his first missionary trip, which we see recorded in Acts 13 and 14. Lystra uh, and Antioch, and uh, outside of Antioch, uh, and Iconium and Derbe and those places. You can go look at Acts 13 and 14 and see what was happening there. Interestingly enough, what is taking place just after that in the Jerusalem Council that takes place in the early church is something that Paul actually talks about in this book, maybe even before the Jerusalem Council took place. Another interesting thing to think about is that Galatia is um, a, a sort of a movement from the word Gaul or Celtic, a Celtic race that were in France. And that there was an invite for them to come down and live in this northern region. And in some, some way, some of you might be very related to some of the folks that were here and heard this. Julius Caesar said of this particular heritage that their infirmity of the Gauls is that they are fickle in their resolve, fond of change, and not to be trusted. Now that's an interesting thing to say about them because as we read the book of Galatians, you will see a very fickle and quick to change people. So what's the occasion for Paul writing this? 
Well, the occasion is this. There are Judaizers, and that's not a race. Those are people that are subscribing to a certain form of Judaism or, or Jewishness that have snuck in after Paul to sort of corrupt. What they're doing is saying there's Jesus and then there's more. And that's what they're trying to talk about. That Yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, but there's these things more you need to do to be saved. And so what Paul is coming in and doing in this letter is he's correcting them. So oftentimes it's like a parent or someone that has a good relationship with a younger person that they're trying to correct them. If a hot stove is going on, the parent will say to that child, don't put your hand on the stove, it's hot. And inevitably, the child will want to what? Put their hand on the stove because it's hot and you've told me not to. It's kind of like me saying, don't think of a white bear. Now all you can think about is a white bear. That's what happens here. Essentially, what goes on is... Paul says, don't touch the stove, and they reach to touch the stove. And if you're a parent or you're somebody who has a relationship with a young child, you're trying to mentor and grow up and care for, each time they put your hand, their hand up there, you grow increasingly frustrated with them. Why do they keep putting their hand up there? I've said don't put your hand up there. They keep putting their hand up there. They're going to get burnt. I want their protection. I want their safety. Yet they keep putting their hand. Don't put your hand up there. And the hand goes up. Don't put your hand up there. Don't put your... Look, if you put your hand up there, and as we read the book of Galatians, you're going to notice that Paul, in this book, becomes increasingly frustrated. It's maybe the most human type book that we read outside of the love and affection that we see Paul and Timothy and Philemon and Titus. It's where we really see Paul's personality and his life. Interestingly enough, it's also about a third of the book is autobiographical. We learn so much more about Paul here than really other any other place than the book of Acts. He tells us his testimony and his story, and it'll be really good to look at that. So why was it so important if these Judaizers are talking about, you know, it's Jesus plus something else? Why is it so important and why is he getting so frustrated? Well, have you heard about the butterfly effect? That a butterfly that flaps its wings in one part of the world affects the weather eventually in another part of the world? That these small circumstances have large effects? Well, that's the reason why Paul's so frustrated. That's the reason why Paul is writing this book where... Unlike any other epistle that he writes, any other letter that he writes, he doesn't give thanks for them at the very beginning. He doesn't point out something good that they're doing in the very beginning. He jumps right in. <laughs> because he's so concerned that this little thing, this seemingly small thing, is going to corrupt all of the gospel. And really it aligns so well for us with the book of Romans as well. Standing on Habakkuk 2.4, that the righteous live by faith. That's what he's pushing for, that the righteous live by faith alone. I pointed out a couple of passages for us to look at today. Galatians 2.20 and Galatians 5, 1 through 6. 6 being sort of the highlight and 1. 1 and 6 being the highlight of that chapter. 
I'm going to reread those for you, and then we're going to unpack them just a little bit. Because I think they give us an understanding and a place that we'll move through the rest of the book, and we'll discover these three pretty amazing things and what they do for us in our lives. So Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And then 5, 1 through 6, it says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So the first thing that we're going to notice about the book of Galatians, this movement that the gospel does for us, this movement of what the righteous living by faith looks like, is this. It brings us freedom. Galatians will show us that a right relationship with God, a whole relationship with God, brings us freedom. It moves us away from what we so easily get entangled in, which is a performance religion. And it provides us freedom to have a restful relationship with God. So often we build our lives on our own merits, on our own power, on our own metrics. And that's what's going on in Galatia. That's what's going on here today is that we set up ourselves rules and regulations. We put things in place and say it's Jesus plus this. When it's Jesus plus nothing. That what Galatians is going to move us to, of what it looks like for the righteous to live by faith, is to say, I have a restful relationship with God. That he's accomplished it all. He's done everything for me. For I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but he lives in and through me. At the very beginning of the book, which we'll talk about next week, Paul says this. Paul, an apostle not from men or through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. That oftentimes we think that there are things that we need to do to save ourselves. There are things that we need to do to get rid of sin. And the problem really is, is we think of sin as external things, not of internal heart things. We look at sin often as just bad habits. Things that I could do something to get rid of. I've put on about 10 pounds since being away. Two months, 10 pounds, not so bad. The reason why is because of bad habits. You don't have Twinkies really over here. They're over in the States. When I had real Mexican food, because you guys have Mexican food, but it's not real Mexican food. I overindulged in the Mexican food when I saw it. 
and they have chips that come with salsa that get, come chips with salsa and chips with salsa and chips. You, you have to tell them, I, we don't want any more chips and salsa. And so when I look now at myself or I stand on the scale as I did this morning, I realize there's some bad habits. And I need to change some things about my life to get myself healthy. I need to put my Fitbit back on and I need to go walking. I need to watch my portion size and thank goodness they don't serve chips and salsa and chips and salsa and chips and salsa and chips and salsa. And And oftentimes we think of our sin as just those external things. But sin is more than the external manifestations of the bondage that we have of self-lordship. You see, sin that we see on the outside is really just the manifestations. The outward showing of our own bondage that we have of self-lordship. That's what's so important about the freedom that we see in Galatians. The freedom is that it's not up to me to save myself. It's not up to me to get myself righteous. It's not up to me to break these bad habits. That it's been done already. And that I have a restful relationship and a father who loves me and cares for me and has always, what, been about restoring whole relationship with himself, with myself, with others in place. We continue to go back to that. That God's ultimate purpose is to have us in whole relationship with him, with who we are, with others around us, and with place. And there's nothing that we can do to accomplish that. And so the first thing that we're going to notice in the book of Galatians is freedom. That we have freedom from performance religion to restful relationship. The second thing that we're going to notice in the book of Galatians as we look through it for these next 12 weeks is unity. Unity from the division that we have in our lives to wholeness. Now the purpose of God, again, is for us to be in whole relationship. And this evil age that he talks about right there at the very beginning that we'll look at later is this. It's an age of division with the promise of peace through uniformity, but not unity. You see, Christian unity says this, that our own particularness is a blessing to the whole. And that the whole is a blessing to us. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. That's everyone who has been found in faith in Christ. And so we are no longer by ourselves. We are joined together. Ephesians says that he is building a new man, that hostility has been put to death. Luther, in his commentary about the book of Galatians, says this. My neighbor is every person, especially those who need help, as Christ explained it in Luke 10. Even if a person has done me some wrong or has hurt me in any way, he is still a human being with flesh and blood. And as long as he is a person and remains a human being, He is an object of our love. 
You see, the world desires for us to come together in uniformity, everyone being alike, everyone agreeing with whatever the world decides is the thing that they need to have us decide on. It's subtle. Sometimes it's very overt. But they cannot stand particularity. They cannot stand the fact that we can be individually created by God, uniquely gifted by Him. But in our uniqueness, in our giftedness, we can join together in unity. What's going on here is that there are men and women who are saying to other men and women, you don't fully belong in the group until you do what we say you should do. Uniformity. When the reality is, as God says, from all nations, I will be a blessing. I will pull in my people from everywhere in their particularness. And so we will find in the book of Galatians, freedom. We will find in the book of Galatians, unity. It will push into those places where we long and see division. And then lastly, the thing that we will see in the book of Galatians as we continue to move forward is worship. Worship. In Galatians 5, Paul is getting to the heart of the matter, and we'll dig into this even more as we get to this passage. But the verse that is so clear is that we've been set free by God, and that the thing that matters most is our faith working itself out in love. That we stand in awe of what God has done. That our faith, this belief or this trust that God has done what he says that he will do and has done. That we have trust and faith that it is accomplishing everything that God wants it to accomplish. That we then stand in it and we work that faith out in love. That it moves us from duty to devotion. That we can't help but move into that place. And it's so rippling. It's like a, a, just a the little thing that drops in, pebble that drops into the water that sends a ripple out that causes a cascade of things to happen. Just if we can grasp in the book of Galatians as God reveals to us that we don't have duty that causes us to be in relationship with God, but that it is devotion, that it's our faith working itself out in love, it will ripple across and affect all of our relationships so that somehow we see that wholeness begins to happen because we see God for who he is, we see ourselves for who we are, we see others for who they are, and we see the place that he's set us. That it's exactly where we're supposed to be. It ripples out and we begin to see, as we'll see later in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We think to ourselves, there's no way I can do those things. At least you should think that way. If you think you can do all those things, all the time, 100% of the time, we need to have a conversation. I like to think I'm a pretty good guy, and I know I can but it's not about me figuring out how to do it. That's duty. It's for me to step back and rest and allow my faith in God that he's accomplished it already to work itself out in love. And so those things become clear and evident in my life because I work them out in love. So I hope that what we'll find in the book of Galatians for ourselves as a church and for those who might encounter it with us is this. Freedom and unity and worship. Interestingly enough, the reason why we've come to this book, even though it's a very sort of hard book at some points to preach through, 
There are places in this book where we're going to hear Paul really come down on people hard, which is not something that you want to say to invite people into necessarily. (laughs) It can be hard and difficult. But in the end, I think this book is about something far greater for us as we discover that freedom and that unity and the worship that it provides for us. Jack Miller, who's a pastor, was a pastor in um, Pennsylvania and has uh, founded a, a missionary organization called Surge and has written courses called Sonship. Galatians was the book that started him on the process. And in the very first session of a discipleship program called Sonship, he asked this question. What happened to all your joy? Because the reality of the book of Galatians, when we find the freedom that it provides, when we find the unity that it provides, when we find the worship that it provides, is that we will be able to return to the joy of our salvation. That we'll recognize that I am no longer lost, but I am found. That I am no longer dead, but I am alive. And even more than that, I am no longer wondering what I'm supposed to be about. I am fully consecrated in the vocation of God's work who I've been made to be. And it will bring us joy that we won't be able to help but hide it. We can't. And that becomes the sweet aroma of Christ in our life to all those who gather around us. Or for you who are here and maybe you're trying to figure out what this life is all about and why these people keep talking about this Jesus, the hope is that you will see freedom, true freedom, real freedom. That you will see unity outside of the uniformity that the world says will bring peace. Because it never will. That you will find something that your heart can't help but lift up and praise. And that you will find joy as well. Because the world can be filled with despair. The world can be filled with anguish. But the world is a world of joy. So I asked with Jack Miller, what's happened to all your joy? Hopefully during these next 12 weeks, we'll be able to respond. It is in Christ alone. Let's pray. Jesus, you are good to us, holy and mighty. You are worthy of praise. Give us joy. Let us know you. Be with us as we travel through this book of Galatians, that it will Bring to us an understanding of your freedom, of your unity, of worship, that it will give us insight, that it will transform us. We pray that you will give us a way in this to enjoy you forever. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Please stand and